1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, July the 23rd, 2020 on today's show. We continue along with the position unit previews today. I am breaking down the Gamecocks offensive line heading in the 2020 football season. I'll take a look back at 2019. We'll meet the offensive linemen, talk about the most approved, best overall, Season will be successful if I'll give my overall grade for the unit and much, much more. Also, some news and notes to get into, including a couple of preseason award watch lists for some Gamecock football players, the Madden, Madden ratings being released, some recruiting news, Clark Schmidt winning winning an award with the Yankees. Much, much more to get to. A packed show today on a Thursday. Also, your listener questions and a fantastic conversation. One of the best in the business joins me. If you know anything about College Ball magazines, the preseason magazines. Phil Steele joins me to talk about his magazine, his projections for South Carolina. It's a phenomenal conversation. Again, Phil, absolutely one of the best in the business, so stay tuned for that. It's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only ticket-buying app I use, and the only one that I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, sports are on their way back as we're having this conversation today. Is literally quote-unquote, opening day for Major League Baseball. The NBA is back. MLS is on. PGA Tour. College football is going to come back. You're going to need your tickets to these sporting events. Fans are getting their butts in the seats. Go download the SeatGeek app. Like I said, you can go to their website as well. I have a promo code for you to save 20 bucks off. This is the future of buying tickets. SeatGeek is changing the game when it comes to buying tickets. They have a great ticket rating system for you, which rates the tickets based on the type of deal you're getting. Guys, nobody's going to scalp in the future, right? We're not going to have that interaction with people, the social distancing stuff, taking precautions. I think paper tickets are probably going to go away. You want to make sure you get the best bang for your buck. You want to make sure you know exactly what you're purchasing. SeatGeek is going to do that for you. Again, the ticket rating system tells you, hey, you're getting a great deal or hey, you're getting ripped off. So you can click that buy button. You can have that peace of mind and you can simply just buy your ticket and go enjoy your event. It's really that easy. Again, They are changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. And not just for sports, concerts, comedy club events. When those events come back, anything you can get tickets to, SeatGeek is the way to go. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S P O R S U P to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it. Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a packed show. I'm excited for today's show. A lot to get to, a lot to talk about. Breaking down the Gamecocks offensive line and the conversation today. The conversation, I tell you, the interviews, the conversations get better and better and better with every single show. Not that they've never been great, but man, the conversations, I think they start to heat up as we get closer and closer and closer to kickoff. We're now just 44 days away. From kickoff. I know I'm fired up again. This is a great show, great time to be alive, great time to be a Gamecock fan. And I appreciate you all tuning in again. Very excited. Happy Thursday. Hope everybody is staying safe, staying healthy, staying busy. It's great to be busy this time of year as well. It's a blessing to be busy, as I always like to say. But um, no, appreciate you guys taking time on your day. Appreciate you guys tuning in again. We have a packed show. And a lot to get to, as always. If you have not done so, be sure to rate, subscribe. Go leave five stars, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Leave five stars, your thoughts, your feedback. If there's things you like, things you don't like, helps boost up the podcast. Those of you already done so, I really do appreciate it. But be sure to go leave a rating for the Spurs Up show. And also, be sure to smash that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. But also, all over social media, YouTube as well. TikTok, even. I'm crushing the TikTok game right now, guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm crushing the TikTok game. I just, There's no better South kind of TikTok account out there. You you can't convince me otherwise. But, uh, no, be sure to rate, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Also, one other quick note, housekeeping item, if you will, Twitch NBA playoffs or Twitch March Madness, I should say, the NBA 2K20 March Madness is still going on. We take on Duke tonight in the Elite Eight. Very, very excited. We'll have it finished up by Friday, trying to win the whole damn thing. Be sure to tune into that. We smacked LSU on Tuesday night. Um, but be sure to tune in. Going to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, got eliminated Monday night in the MLB playoffs. Got ambushed by Alabama. I was really surprised. Our starting pitching shit to bed. So, whatever. It is what it is. But be sure to tune in that. Also going to get back on the NCAA streams uh, very, very soon. So, stay tuned for that. And got some other big announcements upcoming in the next couple weeks as we get closer and closer to kickoff. And I'm really excited to reveal to you guys, again, Great time to be alive, man. Great time to consume content, love content, because I got a ton of it rolling out for you guys. I'm really, really pumped. Again, it's it's hard not to get fired up this time of year when you get you this inch closer and closer and closer to football. And I've been joking with people, and I'll tell you guys the same thing. I don't know if I'm ignorant. I don't know if I'm stupid. Maybe I'm a little mixture of both. But I'm moving full steam ahead as if football is going to happen. I think college football is going to happen. I've never been more confident than I am today that college football and South Carolina football is going to happen. So you guys buckle up, because it's coming. It is coming, and I'm excited, and I'm pumped up for the 2020 season. Speaking of the 2020 season, let's dive right into our position unit, position unit preview today. Talking the Gamecocks offensive line. Very excited to break down this group, because again, I was joking with some people on social media. I really just made the point that you know most of the position groups on the offense, You know we've been rating them a C, a C+ a C minus right in that C area without spoiling my overall grade. I'm excited to talk about this unit because I think this is the best unit as of right now on the Gamecocks offense. First, let's take a look at 2019 coming in the 2019 season. You returned 51 starts in 2019. Uh, you rushed for 150 yards per game, four and a half yards per carry, 25 sacks. Here's a really interesting stat for you guys of South Carolina last year. And I know a lot of it plays into the Charleston Southern game because, what, I think South kind of rushed for like 400 yards in that game, which was absolutely ridiculous. But the Gamecocks averaged 198 yards per game rushing at home, just 82 yards per game on the road. Um, So a little bit of an interesting stat. Gamecocks, for whatever reason, just struggled to run the football on the road. But overall, the offensive line, you know, I thought a unit that played better last season. I mean, the running game as a whole was much, much better. and You know, you can definitely attribute that some to the running backs being a lot better. But I thought the offensive line, you know, I'm I'm not going to say they were great because there were definitely games. that It it was a very mixed bag for the O-line in 2019 because you think South Carolina more than held their own against Alabama. They shoved Georgia around. I thought they sort of held their own against Clemson, but got pushed around by Appalachian State. So – Somewhat of a mixed bag. You know, there were some great results and there were some horrid results. But I thought overall a solid group in 2019. Let's meet the offensive linemen coming in the 2020 season. I'm just going to run down this list because there are a lot of linemen on the roster, obviously. Uh, we start freshman Gavin Bennett, sophomore Wyatt Campbell, junior Summy Carlay, junior Eric Douglas. Freshman Mark Fox, sophomore Jovon Gwynn, senior Sidarius Hutcherson. Freshman Trey Jones, sophomore John Cannon, freshman Vershawn Lee. Sophomore Hank Manos, freshman Ja'Kai Moore, freshman Vincent Murphy, sophomore Jalen Nichols, junior Jordan Rhodes, freshman William Rogers, junior Justin Turnantine, freshman Tyshawn Wanamaker, and junior Dylan Wanam. That's a long list of guys. A lot of good players there. Um, All right, let's dive into most approved, best overall, season will be successful if, and the overall grade. Let's dive right into it. For me, starting with the most approved, this is easy. This is this is the easiest most to prove I've had thus far with the position units, no question. The easiest most to prove I've had with the position units, and for me, it's Hank Manos. Hank Manos, a guy, listen, one of the highest rated recruits South Carolina's pulled in during the Will Muschamp tenure, a guy that. Under Armour All-American, four-star prospect, expected to be this next great player at South Carolina, this great offensive lineman. And listen, I know he came in a little undersized. I know the guy was a wrestler, and he didn't quite have the weight he had on him. You take a look at the roster now and the measurables, um, sitting at 6'4", 305. So he has more than put the weight on for the Gamecocks. He has more than done what he's needed to do as far as size. Now he's got to prove it. A guy you lose, Donnell Stanley, like I said, from the 2019 group, Hank Manos is expected to fill in there. Listen, it's going to be a position battle at the center position. There's going to be a position battle. Eric Douglas is another guy that can play that position. But Hank Manos, the sophomore, needs to come into his own. Again, when you're an Under Armour All-American and you you had the type of hype that Hank Manos had, you know, it's time to step up. It's time to put up or shut up. And unfortunately, he has not done well in his limited appearances. I mean, you think about his first, you know, his first uh his first game when Zach Bailey was injured for the bowl game against Virginia way back in 2018, started on the offensive line, was pushed around, did very, very poorly. I don't think he was ready to play. Maybe that's to no fault of his own. Again, injuries forced him in there. But last season, coming in the North Carolina game, Hank Manos was a guy expecting to be a staple on that offensive line, it's expecting to be a contributor on that offensive line. Got shoved around week one against UNC, as did most of the Gamecocks offensive line. Barely played the rest of the year. Hank Manos needs to come into his own. Again, a guy, like I said, when you're as highly regarded a recruit as he was, you're expected to contribute. He finally has the size. I think he's a guy, again, the center position I've talked about before. I talked about this when Donnell Stanley took over the center position. The center position is probably the most underrated position on the entire offense. We're talking about the guy that makes all the calls, all the checks. You know, we've had multiple offensive linemen on this show, our former Gamecocks offensive linemen. We've had multiple guys that have played offensive line on this show. And, you know, we've talked about the intricacies and the inner workings of playing offensive line and how it's so much more complex than people give it credit for. The center is the quarterback of the offensive line. So, again, to me, Hank Manos, no question, no doubt, has the most to prove. Because you take a look, you return four or five starters on the O-line. This is the one you got to fill in. Hank Manos has got to be able to step in there, be the dude, take over, be a leader in a sense, and lock down that center position. Um, Let's move into best overall. This one's really easy as well, and it's Sidarius Hutcherson. Named the Outland Trophy Award watch list actually yesterday, um, or excuse me, two days ago. But a guy, Sidarius Hutcherson, coming in as a senior, he is without a doubt the undisputed leader of this Gamecocks offensive line. You take a look at his measurables 6'4, 320, the senior again. Going to be an NFL guy. Sidarius Hutcherson, fantastic player, an experienced player for South Carolina. And I fully expect him to have an all SEC type of year. I mean, he's been named to multiple all SEC preseason teams. So I expect him to have a big year for the Gamecocks um moving along into season will be successful if the season will be successful for the Gamecocks offensive line and I already mentioned it simply put if Hank Manos can simply take over that center position and make it his own if he can jump in if he can be that missing fifth piece because again you return four or five starters and if he can't do it I'm not saying they can't have a successful season there are other guys that can play the center position if Hank Manos for whatever reason is not ready to, to for whatever reason, fill in and perform. But if you can lock that down, if you can lock down that center position with Hank Manos, if he can take over, because he is slotted to be the starting center. If he can take over, I think the Gamecocks are on, on pace to have a great 2020 year on the offensive line. I think it's a group where, you know, listen, it's unrealistic, I think, to expect all five guys will start every single game that exact same starting five just because, you know, unfortunately you have injuries, you have guys that don't play as well as they should, and you have different guys you want to shuffle. in. It some guys win positions, but this will be as solid a starting five as South Carolina's had in quite some time if Hank Manos can, can take over that center role. I really believe that. I think the South Carolina offensive line, because there are so many other storylines, you know, the offensive line's not the sexiest thing to talk about in the world, right? But this Gamecocks offensive line could be a really, really good unit. I'm talking about top half of the SEC type of unit. Um, and on an offense where there's so many question marks, and I talked about at the top of the show, you know, <clears throat> if you'll notice going through, I haven't ranked any of the other position units on the offensive side of the football higher than a C. Haven't ranked any of them. But... So when you have that many questions, having a good offensive line is something that can really help and sort of bail you out. Um, because we all know games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. So I think this South of offensive line could really be a strength of this South Carolina offense. And again, help Ryan Helinski in the passing game. Help Marshawn Lloyd and those running backs. I think we could really see the running game take off. And again, they're going to need to because Mike Bobo's scheme I think is going to be 60-40 running. But uh, if Hank Manos, again, can take over that center position, I think it'll be a great year for the South of offensive line. Again, I think they'll be, I don't want to say a surprise unit because I expect them to be good. But I think they will jump out at some people in regards to, wow, they're a lot better than I thought they'd be or a lot better than I gave them credit for. Um, let's move into the overall grade. And like I said, this is the highest overall grade I've given any position unit to this point. I'm going to give him a B plus. I'm not ready to give him an A yet or anything just because Hank Maynos does need to fill in at the center position. And again, the offensive line has been inconsistent. But the facts remain. You return four or five starters, you return 73 career starts, which is a fantastic number. And you're going to hear later in the conversation when I talk to Phil Steele. You know, he's obviously had multiple, multiple, multiple conversations with Will Muschamp and all these other college coaches when he writes his magazine. He specifically said. And he says this in his magazine as well, that Will Muschamp stated, this is the best offensive line South Carolina has had during his tenure. And listen, take Will Muschamp's word with a grain of salt. I understand what he said last year, that this was the best team he's had, the deepest team he's had. Trust me, I get that. But, I think there's actually some basis to what he's saying. I think this is the deepest South Carolina has been on the offensive line because you take a look at the projected starting offensive line for South Carolina. Let's take a look at that. The projected starting offensive line. At center, you have Hank Manos, right guard Jovan Gwynn, left guard Sedarius Hutcherson, right tackle Dylan Wanham, and left tackle Justin Turnantine, which is a big-time transfer, Juco transfer for South Carolina. This is your measurables across the offensive line. Starting again with Hank Manos, just going down the list I just read. Hank Manos, six four three zero five. 305. Jovan Gwynn, 6'2", 300. Sidarius Hutcherson, 6'4", 320. Dylan Wanham, 6'5", 310. Jaston six six three thirty. 6'6", 330. So, dude, you have size all across that line. I mean, maybe Gwynn and Manos are a little light at 300 and 305. But Gwen with some great athleticism in that guard position, which is really good to have when you're running pulling guard plays and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot of bases. And then you take a look at two, the 2D. Two I mean, you take a look at the 2D. Um, you know, Eric du- guys like Eric Douglas, who played good football. Jalen Nichols, who played good football. Ja'Kai Moore, who was a big-time recruit. Um, you know, Wyatt Campbell, Tyshawn Wanamaker. You mean you go down the list. South Carolina has depth on the offensive line. So again, take Will Muschamp's word with a grain of salt, for sure. But I definitely think there's some basis to what he's saying. That this is the best offensive line they've had in his tenure at South Carolina. I would actually agree with him. Again, four or five starters back, 73 career starts. I'm expecting a lot of things out of this Gamecocks offensive line, which is why I'm giving them the overall grade of a B plus. I really think they could be the fourth or fifth best offensive line in the SEC. I really do believe that. And, again, with a Gamecock offense that has, you know, for a Gamecock offense that has so many question marks on the offensive side of the ball, having a solid offensive line is going to do wonders for this group while they sort of find themselves and figure it out, if that makes sense. So I'm really excited for the Gamecocks offensive line, excited for this group giving them a B-plus overall grade. All right. Let's move into news and notes, have a lot of news and notes to get to that I'm going to run over really, really quickly, and then we will dive into your listener questions. A um, couple preseason award watch lists. You know, I already talked about Sidarius Hutcherson, the Outland Trophy Award watch list, which the Outland Trophy is given to the top interior lineman in college football. Israel McQuamu also, Monday afternoon after we released the show, he was named to the Jim Thorpe Award watch list, which is given to the best defensive back in college football. Um, You know, overall, very exciting. Not surprised. I know a lot of people. <clears throat> I know a lot of people were bitching about JC Horn not being on this watch list. Listen, guys, I think JC Horn is a good player. I- I'm not taking that away. JC Horn is a good football player. No question, Dash. Probably gonna have a long NFL career but the fact he has zero career interceptions is sticking out like a sore thumb. You're not going to make preseason award watch lists when you have zero career picks. Israel Mokwamu, not quite as polished as J.C. Horn, but that three interception game in Athens absolutely put him on the map. There's no question that game put him on the map. So that's just the reality of the situation. I don't think it's people, you know, I don't think it's people, quote-unquote, sleeping on J.C. Horn or disrespecting J.C. Horn. I think it has nothing to do with that. You know, I think it just simply comes down to Israel McQuamu has made the big plays on the big stage. J.C. Horn needs his Georgia kind of game. You know, J.C. Horn needs his Georgia game. He really does. Um Hopefully, I think, you know, listen, I think he does break out. I think it comes this year. I think you're going to see J.C. get a few picks. I mean, I, I just think he's too good of a player to get shut out his entire career as far as turnovers are concerned. He's had some bad luck as well, I will say, as far as not having an interception. You know, you think about UNC, let the one go right through his hands. You think about, um, you know, you think about the one against uh, Florida where he had the interception, but there was a there was a flag on the play. So, I think it'll happen – um, listen, these preseason award watch lists don't mean shit anyways. Where are you at at the end of the year? That's more important. But yeah, I think these will be fine. But I was not surprised to see Izzy on that watch list and not see JC. Um, all right, moving to something fun Madden ratings released. Go over these Madden ratings. Um, I'm just going to go over the overalls Javon Kinlaw, an overall 76. Uh, Brian Edwards, an overall 70. DJ Wanham, an overall 65. And TJ Brunson, an overall 57. Um, it's so funny how upset people get about Madden ratings because it's like, dude, they're not going to rate any rookies high. Like, Javon Kinlaw being a 76 is pretty damn good. Um, I know the catching, a 79 catching for Brian Edwards is pretty low, but uh, excited to play with those guys in Madden 21 for sure. Uh, Malachi Bennett, the big-time recruit, moving his commitment date. I know a lot of people, we were looking forward to that, looking forward to this Friday 2021 four-star Moving his recruitment date, this is a guy South Carolina absolutely needs to get. And another guy as well, Carolina making the top six for Tyreon Ingram-Dawkins, the defensive lineman from Gaffney-South Carolina. Again, I would say that's a must-get. You absolutely cannot lose a kid like that out of state to uh, his top six. Let's see, Bama, Carolina, Tennessee, UNC, Georgia, and Va Tech. You got to be able to beat those schools out. Keep a kid in state. You know, you got to be able to find a way. So it's a must-get. Last up on the news and notes, Clark Schmidt winning the 2020 James P. Dawson Award, which is given to the top Yankee in spring training. Um, Most outstanding Yankees rookie in spring training, I should say. So, Clark Schmidt, a guy, is going to be in the big leagues very soon. Going to be in the big leagues very, very soon. He is absolutely nasty. It's like every time you watch highlights of Clark Schmidt, his shit is filthy. I mean, his shit is filthy. So, The guy's going to be in the big leagues with the Yankees very, very soon. Very excited for that. Um, All right, let's get into your listener questions and we'll get in this interview. Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Sorry about that. Apparently, NFL prospects might sit out the 2020 season. If Clemson loses a bunch, could we pull the upset? Um, If the season gets played in the fall, they're going to play. There's no question. And I don't think the the season's going to get moved to spring. So – you know, if if Clemson had Lawrence and ETN and a bunch of guys sit out, could you know would it give South Carolina a better chance to pull the upset? I still don't. I'm still not going to say they would because the game is in Clemson, and I mean Clemson the way they've recruited, do Their 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 second string and third strings are just as good as their first in a lot of scenarios. But um, listen, I don't think anybody's sitting out. They're going to play the season in the fall. <clears throat> they're going to play the season in the fall. I don't think anybody's sitting out. Uh, Judd Rupp, when is Ingram committing? I don't think he's announced his commitment date, so I'm not 100% sure. Corey.Balwin.27, do you think the O-line will get in sync in time enough for the season? I do. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you have four or five starters returning, it's going to be very easy to get in sync again. When you're replacing the center, that is always always a question mark because, again, that is the quarterback of your offensive line. But, again, Hank Manos is not a guy. He's not a true freshman. I mean, he's, this is his third year on campus. He ought to have it figured out by now. There ought to be great chemistry in that group, in that room. So, um, yeah, I think the offensive line should click early. No doubt. I think the line should click early, click early. Um, Evan B underscore 100, what can the Gamecocks do to win the SEC East? Win their games. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Win. They're going to have to win. Um, no. I mean, seriously, though, on the field, what do you have to do? Marshawn Lloyd has to become a household name. Ryan Halinski has to play his best football of his life. And your defense just simply has to take the next step and become one of those elite Will Muschamp defenses. From there, you got to find a way to win ballgames, simply put. Um, last question, S. Rush 7 Can Jordan Birch be DJ Wanham 2.0? I think he'd be better. <laughs> I mean, dude, I think he'd be much better. You know, I, I like DJ Wanham. I liked him at Carolina, but with all due respect, he was a three-star prospect. He wasn't a highly, you know, touted, highly regarded, highly rated guy, bro. I think Jordan Birch can be better. I think Jordan Birch can be much better. I think his ceiling is much higher than what DJ Wanham's was. And again, that's no slight of Wanham. That is credit to Birch and how good he is. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for Birch. You're going to hear in this combo with Phil Steele. I'm excited with this Gamecocks defense. I mean, you go down the roster, down the list of guys on this defense who are playmakers. And it's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to get a little excited about the South Carolina defense. With that being said, let's move into the conversation. Again, one of the best in the business, Phil Steele. If you guys, you guys know I'm big time on these preseason magazines. If you know anything about preseason magazines, you are familiar with Phil Steele. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends. Again, at SeatGeek, go download the SeatGeek app go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. Going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, again, Sports are back. MLB, NBA, MLS, PGA, college sports are going to come back. Eventually, we're going to have concerts, comedy club events. I know NASCAR is back and has fans in already. So if you need your tickets to anything, SeatGeek is the way to go. Like I said, go download their app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Enjoy this conversation with Phil Steele. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show. As you guys know, like I've talked about many times on this podcast, I am a big preseason magazine junkie. I'm a college football junkie. And we get this time of year, June, July, the summer months, in the offseason. One of my favorite traditions is going to Barnes and Noble, going to Publix, going to any local newsstand. Finding Phil Steele's preseason magazine, the 2020 preseason magazine, is out, and I'm very pleased to be joined. by the man himself, Phil Steele. Phil, really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Hey, a real pleasure, Chris. Always enjoy our conversations, my friend.
1: Absolutely. So, Phil, before we dive in, everything, obviously South Carolina, the SEC, I'm really excited to get your takes on that, college football as a whole. Um, Maybe there are some people that are tuned in, I don't know how they would, that maybe aren't familiar with you or familiar with your magazine. This is volume 26. I was taking a look, so you're someone... I kind of look at you, Phil, as the OG of the, uh, the preseason magazine game. You've been doing this for a long time. You're a seasoned veteran. But just give people a little bit of background about yourself, your magazine, where they can find it. And I'm curious, what got you started um, in the preseason magazine business and just kind of what you're doing now?
2: I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, I got started uh, back in 1995. I was uh, writing a football newsletter Mm -hmm. and doing all this research, and I would buy all the preseason magazines that were out there and get my research on the pages, and they they just never had enough information for me. I'm an information guy. I need Mm -hmm. to know who the the four-string left tackle is for every team, so... I started compiling the information myself and somebody walked in my office and said, why don't you put that into a magazine? So I tried it back in 1995 and what happened was, as soon as somebody got it in their hands, they had to get it every single year. So the, the amount of people buying the magazine grew every year. We turned it in. The first one was black and white newsprint. Uh, we have one cover, which had nine little pictures on it. It grew to a full color magazine about seven years later. And now, uh, you know, we print the, the magazine 352 pages. I like to feel Chris, and I'll ask you if you, you feel the same way. It's like 130 different media guides rolled into one, except it's a lot easier because all the information is on the same spot on every page. You want to who the starting left tackle is for any team it's in the same spot uh you want to know who what scored from three years ago you know exactly where to look with your eyes closed and the thing is we give you that we give you the same amount of information on a team like georgia state or you monroe that we do on alabama and oklahoma and it's all laid out the same way on every page is that an, an accurate assessment
1: absolutely yeah i was gonna say it's like there's 10 pages of information within for every single team you know they get two pages but it feels like an entire media guide <clears throat> rolled up in there. And I can say, you know, if someone that I usually get three or four of the preseason magazines and no slight of those other guys, they do a really good job. But yours by far, I would say, the most loaded and jam-packed with information. I mean, anything you want to know, everything you need to know about every single team is there, like you said. And like I said, I would recommend it to anyone if you've never purchased Phil's magazine, do that. Do yourself the favor again, it's not only going to give you all the information you need on South Carolina, your favorite team, but every single team, the Gamecocks play every single team in college football. Cause if you're like me, you want to be in the know about everybody. So yeah, Phil, I, w- I would, I would definitely give you that. It's jam packed with information. I mean, everything you need to know. I
2: appreciate, I appreciate that, Chris. And then the ways to get it this year, uh, you had mentioned a couple different places at the start. It, that has changed the, okay. uh, the COVID thing has changed it this year where originally I was just going to sell it online at philsteel.com and only print about 20,000 magazines. But then Barnes & Noble and Books A Million came in with exclusive deals with me. So if you have a Barnes & Noble or Books A Million in the area, head over there July 24th. They're going to have it on sale. And then if you don't have one in the area, Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, you can go to philsteel.com and purchase the magazine. But uh, probably the best way, go to a Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, if you have one close by.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I got the digital copy this year, Phil, and I'm normally a guy. I really enjoy going to you know, like the Barnes and Noble and getting the physical copy, actually holding the magazine being able to mark it up. But for the sake of this, went ahead and bought the digital copy. But, yeah, either way, it's a great purchase, seriously. It's going to get you fired up, ready for football. I know it does for me. Let's start talking football, Phil, and let's talk Gamecocks, obviously. We're we're talking South Carolina. I want to start here with you because I think this sort of leaked, if you will, quote-unquote, leaked last week. Um, Your preseason All-SEC teams, your preseason All-American teams, and I just want to go down the list here for the Gamecocks because – they were well-represented in your preseason All-SEC teams. You had offensive linemen Sedarius Hutcherson, second team. Defensive backs J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu, second team. Linebacker Ernest Jones, third team. Tight end Nick Muse, third team. Wide receiver Shai Smith, fourth team. Defensive lineman Kingsley and Igbari, fourth team. And you also had Israel McQuamu on your fourth team preseason All-American list. And I want to stick with the defensive backs because, like I mentioned, J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu on that second team. You have the Gamecocks defensive backs in your – uh, individual units, position unit rankings nationally. You have them 40th. But I think the secondary is going to be a strength for this South Ghana Gamecocks uh, team this year. And you think about what Israel McQuamu did last year in Athens. I mean, you could basically say single-handedly won that game for South Ghana with his three interceptions of Jake Fromm. But just talk about what you like about South Ghana's secondary as far as J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu. I think they have a chance to be one of the better duos uh, in the country when it comes to defensive backs. Just talk about what you see in those guys and what you like about that South Carolina secondary.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you 100% there, Chris. I do think they are going to have one of the better secondaries. You've talked about Horn and McQuamu who I have up there. And McCwamo's a guy, you know, he's a cornerback, but he can also play safety. And mm-hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he slides over to safety. Maybe if like a, a redshirt freshman like Cam Smith emerges, who's six foot. And the cornerbacks that South Carolina has, a lot of good size, you see some teams come in with those five nine, five ten corners. Everybody that South Carolina's got a corner is at least six foot. That's a plus. Uh Mukamu is a, a six foot four guy that could be playing free safety. We'll see. RJ Roderick is back. They add in the Shiloh Sanders. So there's plenty of talent in that secondary Uh, For South Carolina, and last year they finished up there in my rankings. They were number 56, which you know, for a team that suffered through uh, all the injury, South Carolina did last year and finishing four and eight, you would think they might have been a little bit lower. But 56 last year, and I think there's room for improvement this year. It's a pretty good unit.
1: For sure, you mentioned the injuries, Phil, and I. You know, I think Will Muschamp, with his coaching tenure. Listen, we all know that's one of the bigger storylines for South Carolina coming in this season. Is Will Muschamp's job status, it's no shock or surprise to anyone. He is on the hot seat. But you mentioned the injuries. They have been a lingering thing throughout his head coaching career, not just at South Carolina, but at Florida as well. And I think it's interesting. You mentioned the hiring of Paul Jackson multiple times throughout your breakdown of South Carolina. Um how, how big – because, again, you really do dive into the numbers and break everything down. I mean, just how big of an impact have the injuries been? And, I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to break down a strength and conditioning coach hire. There's a lot of things, intricacies behind the scenes we don't really see. But just how much of a difference could it make for South Carolina and Will Muschamp if they can go through a season finally healthy? Because, like I said, I think even back to his days at Florida, that has just been one of those lingering issues for Will Muschamp coach teams if they simply just can't stay healthy.
2: Yeah, and not all of it can be cured by a, a physical, you know, the, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, but if they can limit it, that's going to really help. And you go back to last year with South Carolina, you know, start off early, lose your starting quarterback, have to throw a freshman into the mix, running backs. Well, the top guys get lost, wide receivers, offensive line. Mm-hmm. This was a unit that was banged up at every single unit on offense and pretty much every single unit on defense. And that's been the story the last two years. And I, you know, I mentioned it to Coach Champ when I was talking to him, and he did say new strength and conditioning coach, hoping that things get better. And, uh, you know, just the odds are, things will be better health-wise, because generally when teams have a lot of bad luck like that one year, it switches and they have better luck the next year. So, if they can remain healthier, I like the units that Coach Muschamp's putting on the field. Give you an example. The offensive line. Coach Muschamp feels it's the best offensive line he's had since he's been there, and I'll agree, if they can keep these guys healthy, they've got a lot of talent in that unit, and if you have a strong offensive line, a veteran quarterback, keep the running backs healthy, like Zaquandre White and Marshawn Lloyd, the South Carolina team that can make some noise
1: yeah I was gonna say just a uh, a shout out to you again as far as the statistics and all the numbers and everything you point out in your uh your preview for South Carolina 73 career starts return for the Gamecocks on the offensive line you lose Donnell Stanley but Hank Mano should fill in at that center position and he was a guy that I think fans probably remember was an Under Armour All-American guy was a highly touted recruit so if he can you know if he can pan out and you get Dylan Wanham back and a bunch of the others that should be one of the strengths for sure like you mentioned and again I think a Gamecocks offense that maybe is sort of looking to find itself early on because you do have to replace Brian Edwards you know everybody's excited about Marshawn Lloyd but he is a true freshman running back that offensive line should at least take some pressure off of uh off of Ryan Helinski and what they're trying to do. Another thing I wanted to mention as far as statistics, and again, uh, another shout out to you. I believe you said South Carolina, you had them projected last season to average around 392.1 or 362.1 yards per game. And you were off by, I think 0.01 as far as the yardage <laughs> average. So that is, that is pretty solid. That is a, uh, that's a pretty good job. I, I have to say that's so kudos to you for that as well. But Sticking with the offense, I want to start with the quarterbacks again. That, that's sort of where it all begins for every single team in college football. I just feel like if you have, if you have elite quarterback play, no matter the team you have around you, you're going to have a, a chance. You're going to have a chance. And South Carolina returns Ryan Halinski. You mentioned Jake Bentley out the season last year. Halinsky uh, takes over. I think it's very interesting though, Phil, because. A lot of the different magazines I've read, a lot of the different experts I've heard talking about Ryan Helensky, I feel like it's very much a mixed bag, and I've been sort of surprised by that. I think there are some people that are high on him that think the uh, the ceiling is very high for him. And there's some people that I've, I've read that really question if he is the long-term answer for South Ghana. They talk about Colin Hill maybe coming in, the Colorado State transfer. You know, He's been in the Mike Bobo offense for four-plus years. Could he possibly battle for the job or take the job? And then Luke Doty, the highly-touted freshman who – I think long-term, I'll say maybe he is a better play for South Carolina just because he is a true dual threat, and it kind of gives you that, those Connor Shaw feelings, if you will, which Gamecock fans are still very mm-hmm. reverent of him. But just talk about Ryan Holinsky, the quarterback position, and I guess what you're expecting from him in that position as a whole for South Carolina.
2: You know, I, I think we're going to have a lot better Ryan Holinsky. Let's face it, he wasn't the starter, wasn't taking the first team reps in the spring and then sort of thrown into the fire. And even Coach Buschamp said that as a staff, he felt they didn't do enough to help him out. They threw the ball 38 <laughs> more times than anyone won the SEC last year. So they need to get a better balanced run game. And when you're dropping back to pass that much, as Holinsky did last year, as a true freshman, reading defenses for the first time, it's a tough situation to be in. But you got to like the guy's size. He's 6'3", he's 225, he's intelligent, prepares well, uh, and I, I think Kalinski should he be able to hold off, Colin Hill and Luke Doty, which I think he will, uh, should have a, a vastly improved season this year, and we've seen that from a lot of quarterbacks, going from the freshman season to the sophomore season, that the numbers just dramatically improve, especially in the ratio area of touchdowns and interceptions.
1: For sure. So I want to move to the running back position because again, you know, Phil, you made it very clear. You've talked, had a lot of conversations. with Will Muschamp, how does he speak on Marshawn Lloyd? Because I think that's a guy that listen. Maybe they won't make the announcement officially, but we had Marshawn on the show a few months ago, and you know, he mentioned one of the reasons he he was coming to South Carolina, and one of the reasons he chose South Carolina was playing time, and he was expecting to play, and he was a guy that was looking to make an impact early, and. You know, I fully expect Marshawn Lloyd to be the starting running back and to be one of the guys that the offense truly revolves around. You know, obviously one of the highest-touted recruits. And last year's cycle chose South Carolina over a bunch of other schools. Um, The highest-rated running back prospect since Marcus Lattimore. So that's pretty elite company. But just, just talk about Marshawn Lloyd, what you expect from him. Again, Gamecocks lose three senior running backs. So looking on paper, it may look like that position might take a step back. But I actually think they'll be better with Marshawn Lloyd being the bell cow running back, Kevin Harris, the two guy. Uh, You have the JUCO transfer, Deshaun Fenwick's done some nice things. I think the running back group could really surprise some people led by Marshawn Lloyd.
2: Yeah, and I think when you go with Floyd, uh, you know he's he's a guy that's a one-cut runner, and he's got top-end speed, so he can finish off the runs, which I think is great. He's got good lateral change of direction, uh, and he also catches the ball well out of the backfield, and he's very competitive. So I think all those things do hold up, and yeah, I do think he's going to top last year's leading rushers, six hundred and seventy-two yards rushing. So I think that that's going to be a a, a positive position, and help them balance out that offense a little bit more than it was last year when they struggled a little bit in the run game.
1: Now, a lot of those numbers, Phil, I feel like are going to come down to the Mike Bobo scheme. And I know South Carolina, similar to Georgia, similar to others, is one of those teams. It's going to be interesting just because you lose most of spring practice. We might have a condensed fall practice, so it's not as much time to implement Mike Bobo's scheme and his system. But You talk about the offense and Phil's forecast, your forecast. You look for improved numbers offensively. And you're a guy, obviously, again, you've dove in the numbers. You've done this for a while. So you broke down Mike Bobo's Colorado State teams. You broke down his Georgia offenses. What do you expect from a Mike Bobo offense at South Carolina? Because I think the one concern that I have, and I know a lot of other South Carolina fans have, is if you try to run the Georgia scheme, the Georgia-style offense – you don't have Georgia's players. You know, there isn't a Todd Gurley. I'm not sure you have an Aaron Murray, you know, Matt Stafford, whatever. So what do you expect from Mike Bobo's offense? I mean, do you expect South Carolina to go to a pro-style I-formation? I Um, I think they will be a run-heavy offense, but do you expect them to go fully Georgia mode, I guess? Or what are you looking for from Mike Bobo's scheme in Columbia?
2: I do think we're going to see more snaps under center. No doubt about it. Uh, More I-formation snaps. Now, I'll say this. You go back to Colorado State, and the offense they ran, while they lined up in that formation uh, a lot of times, they still threw the ball a lot. I mean, last year they threw the ball 446 times, uh, only ran at 395, so actually threw the ball more than they ran it. But uh, I do think that that's the goal, would be the goal coming in. I mean, anytime you can have the run game, and with that offensive line – I'd like to line up and run the football better. If that's the case and you can do it, uh, then uh, it should be uh, a, a positive for South Carolina. But as all coaches are, and you mentioned, the fact, didn't have spring, uh, you know, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to adjust the team to fit the uh, the schemes of the, of the players that are, are the starters. And Colin Hill would be interesting if he enters in the mix because he has right. played in that uh, Colorado State offense for years and did well when he was out there. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. So I want to move to the defensive side of the ball again. Phil, we've already talked about the secondary, but the front seven where I'm really excited again, it's crazy because you lose Javon Kinlaw, you lose DJ Wanham, you lose TJ Brunson, three guys going to the NFL, but I think this unit will be just as good, maybe could be even better than it was a year ago. I expect guys like Zach Pickens to step up. Jordan Burks, the true freshman, I think will play a lot. You have guys like Kingsley and Igbari, Brad Johnson, that I think are sort of slept on. They're not talked about quite as much. Um, You talk about the defensive line. Your last sentence says, uh, inexperienced but still very talented. And I think you can say that about a lot of positions on this Gamecocks defense. Uh, Just talk about that front seven. I mean, what do you expect from South Carolina, again, I don't want to say they're underrated. I'm expecting South Carolina to sort of take the next step, if you will, as a defense because one of the things about Will Muschamp's tenure, Phil, I think we've seen or haven't seen, if you will, is that you know he hasn't quite had those dominant defenses he had at Florida. I mean, last year the defense was solid, and there are a lot of good players, but we haven't seen a top 25 defense from Will Muschamp. Do you expect that this year, and what do you like about the Gamecocks defense heading into the season?
2: Yeah, and I think you touched on the defensive line. I think when you do, if you're uh, just glancing at South Carolina and uh, just looking at the fact that as you mentioned, Kinlaw's gone and Smith are gone at the defensive tackle spot, DJ Wanham gone at the, the buck spot, and you know, Brunson gone to linebacker, you'd say, Well, you know, that could be a middle of the road defense. But you look at the players that are stepping in, you know, let's go inside. Zach Pickens, Rick Sandage are a couple of guys that are are big guys. They were big time recruits as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about Marshawn Lloyd on the offensive uh, at the running back spot. Zach Pickens was my number six rated defensive lineman out of high school. Rick Sandage, uh, my number six rated defensive lineman out of high school when he came out. Jabari Ellis Big-time JUCO recruit, and many times you see with JUCOs that they really come on the second full year of playing as opposed to the first. Right. So I like the talent they have inside on that defensive side. And outside, Angbari and Sterling can uh, bring the pass rush, so I think there's there's plenty of talent. And then you got a guy like Jordan Birch, who's one of the top-rated true freshmen coming in, and he has got the size you want, 6'5", uh, 265. So I do like the overall talent on the D line. I think they go three deep. So uh, they need the young defensive tackles to step up. And if that happens, then South Carolina all of a sudden does have that top 25 defense.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, looking looking at your you know projected starting lineup and looking at the depth chart, Phil, it, it's really hard not to get excited about this Gamecocks defense. I mean, you just <laughs> go down the list and there are so many names um, that I feel like really this year, Phil, there is no excuse. And again, I know South Carolina was not helped. Uh, their offense did not help them at all. I think the the up-tempo style we saw actually was counterproductive a lot of times because up-tempo is awesome, but if you're not scoring and you're not getting first downs, your defense is going to be absolutely gassed. And I think we definitely saw that at times last year. But, again, it, it's very hard for me and I think for fans as well to not get excited when you just go down the list. And Like you said, they're 2-3 deep in a lot of these positions, so I think it should be a fun year um, for this South kind of defense let's talk again Phil you've had multiple plenty of conversations with Will Muschamp obviously and again he he's not a guy these coaches aren't stupid right he understands what's on the line he understands that it's kind of put up or shut up time he understands that he has to win this year what what's the overall vibe or the sense you get from him as far as I'm sure you know he's not going to talk about it a bunch I'm not getting, I'm not sure you guys would even discuss it but Did you get any sort of sense or feeling from him that he knows the pressure is on this year and he knows that, you know, to stay, to keep his job and to keep going in Columbia? I mean, I I think most likely he's going to need at least a bowl appearance, a six, seven, maybe eight win season to uh, extend his career in Columbia.
2: There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, as you touched on, it's not something you generally talk about with the coaches, but you could see it. You could feel it was there. You know, the coach knows what's going on. He's uh, you know, you don't get to be the head football coach of South Carolina without having a great knowledge of uh, what's going on out there. So, yes, the pressure is definitely on. But we have a confident Coach Muschamp. I mean, the schedule maker has not been kind to South Carolina the last couple of years. Yeah, last year, sure. they played one of the toughest schedules in the country. Uh, you know, you're talking about the number three team, the number three team, the number two team, the number nine team. A lot of tough road games last mm-hmm. year. It was a brutal schedule. And uh, this year's schedule is not that much easier. But... Mm-hmm. I do think Coach Muschamp's confident that they will get back to a bowl, at least if not more. And naturally, he thinks they can uh, be a uh, uh, make a make some noise in the SEC East this year.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the schedule last year. Obviously, you know, ranked by yourself, ranked by others, number one in the country, most difficult. Uh, and in this year, you have them number three as far as schedule difficulty. So <laughs> I don't know if it's the college football gods or picking on South Carolina or what's going on, but. Of course, when your in-state rival is Clemson and your neighbor is Georgia, that's more than likely going to happen pretty often. Um, Some interesting stats, you know, just looking through the schedule, though, Phil. Again, I said this about last year, and I'll say it about this year as well. The schedule is tough, but it provides a lot of opportunity. You know, chances to get upsets are there. We saw it in Athens last year, which I still think is one of the craziest upsets I've ever witnessed. But uh, there's a lot of opportunity in this schedule. A couple things I found interesting here, and again, this is just part of the information you have in your magazine, a ton of great tidbits. South Carolina has lost, I believe they're six and three in SEC road openers. They won three or four under Muschamp, but they have lost five. Excuse me, lost their last six SEC home openers. Have not won one since 2013 against Vanderbilt. So it's been a while, and I think that week three matchup, Phil against Missouri. Again, we're assuming everything going to be normal with the schedule. We know it probably won't, but for the sake of the conversation, we'll just assume everything is normal. I think that week three matchup against Missouri, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, Phil, on my show, I, I think that might be the most important game for South Carolina in the 2020 schedule. And I want to tell you why. I just think for South Carolina, you the prospects of having a successful season Go down drastically if you can't find a way to get a win over Missouri on your home field because, again, you have to go on the road to Kentucky next week. the next week, which I know you have Kentucky in your top 25. I've talked to a lot of people that are high on the Wildcats. Then you have to go to Florida. We all know how good Florida is. Then you have Tennessee. Then you have a bye week. And that second half of that schedule is really where it toughens up. I mean, you got Georgia, LSU, Clemson. We all know about that second half. You've got Texas A&M. Talk about the overall schedule, but talk about that Missouri game as well. Do you think this is the year South Carolina finally wins an SEC home opener for the first time since
2: 2013? Uh, Short-term answer, yes, absolutely. I think Missouri's going to be in a rebuilding year this year. They have a first-year head coach. They didn't perform very well on the road last year. Missouri was actually horrendous on the road, dropping Mm -hmm. games as double-digit favorites. Now they have a new head coach trying to learn the players. Uh, and they're in a tough situation. I do see South Carolina clearly opening up three and zero this year, and that helps. You know, yeah. let's take a look at Tennessee last year. Remember, Tennessee was two and five. Yep. Then they start winning games. Then all of a sudden they start winning more games. Boom, it turned into a six-game win streak. So South Carolina needs that. But I, I see them absolutely. I've got them a double-digit favorite in each of their first three games this year. And I think they open up the season 3-0. and oh. But it is crucial. A loss there. And then you have maybe some doubt creeping into the player's mind. Can we do it? Can we get to a bowl? So, yeah, it's a very important game on the schedule. But one, I think the Gamecocks will win.
1: And I want to talk about the season as a whole, Phil, because you do have South Carolina making a bowl game this year. You have them finishing fifth in the SEC East, and we'll talk about the SEC just a little bit as well. But um, just off the top of your head, I'm sure you have the schedule pulled up, though. What do you think? I mean, I'm assuming you probably have South Carolina finishing six and six, which I think, again, would be a solid bounce back year when you have the number three toughest schedule and coming off a four and eight season, you need something to feel good about. And again, the pressure's on. You know, you got to make a bowl game. Um, what do you think those six wins are? Because again, the key is to get to to get to November with five wins. That is the key because you have Wofford at home the 21st. Could you maybe pull another big upset like you did last year? Maybe, but I, I wouldn't go into November counting on it if that makes sense. But what, what are the six wins that you have and how do you see the season shaking out for South Carolina as a whole?
2: Well, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Missouri. Uh, The road game against Vanderbilt, as you know, when uh, teams travel into Nashville, generally they have the crowd advantage. So I don't think Vandy really is going to have the crowd advantage for that. I think South Carolina fans will be there. I like South Carolina to win that one. The Wofford game would be five. And then you talked about there has to be an upset somewhere along the way, whether it's home against Tennessee, at Kentucky. These are all winnable games. Even Mm -hmm. the the Texas A&M game, as high as I am on Texas (laughs) A&M, That's a possibility. And go back to last year. Not only upset Georgia, but the next week against Florida, I thought South Carolina outplayed Florida. The majority of that game, uh, you know, I wonder about that long run down the the thing where they didn't call holding. It looked like they it was the longest holding call in the history of the world, and yeah. it wasn't called. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, no, I was in that. I was but, in that
1: end zone, Phil. Trust me, I remember that very vividly.
2: <laughs> it, did you have a? Too bad you didn't have a flag in your pocket there, yeah, Chris. You could have thrown I, it. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. But. Florida, South Carolina is very competitive with Florida in that game as well. So to, for me for them pulling off an upset or beating you know like a Tennessee at home is no question in my mind. I think they get it done.
1: So I, I want to play the hypothetical game with you Phil because again, it is the off season. I, I think that's what makes the college football off season so beautiful is everyone is O and O, everything is possible. you know any any dreams or expectations you may have. it is a possibility. I want to play the hypothetical game with you. Let's say South kind of starts three and O as you say they should. Let's say they go on the road to Kentucky again, a place they've historically played terribly. I mean, dating way back in the '90s, they've never played well there for whatever reason. Let's say they do find a way to get a win there and start four and I would argue with you, Phil, if they can do that, if they can start four and O two and O in the SEC, that game in Gainesville then becomes probably, I would say, actually, definitely the biggest game of the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina and Arguably the biggest game for South Carolina football since the Steve Spurrier days, probably 2012-2013.
2: I would agree with you there. And, you know, it's not like South Carolina wouldn't go into that game with confidence. And you also wonder what the crowd would be like in the Swamp. I don't think it'd be the normal Swamp crowd. So that's another advantage of South Carolina. But after playing Florida like they did last year, I think South Carolina would go into that game with a great deal of confidence.
1: For sure. So let's talk about the SEC, your East and West projections, Phil. You have Georgia winning the SEC East, and you have Alabama winning the West. I think no surprise there. But Georgia – Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina finishing fifth, Missouri sixth, and Vanderbilt seventh. Really quickly, we'll start with the East. Just sort of give your rundown on why you have those picks that way, how you see it finishing out. And again, I'd love to know your reasoning for Georgia, because I know a lot of people are picking Florida this year. I was joking with somebody else. I feel like they're kind of the sexy pick, which makes me want to pick Georgia even more, because normally it's kind of like (laughs) a gambling trick when... When the public is going one way, you normally go the other. But just talk about really quickly your SEC East projections, why you have the Gamecocks fitting in fifth, and I guess just how you see it shaking out.
2: Yeah, and I think with Florida being picked first by most, and I think they'll be number one by the SEC media as well, it probably comes back to they have a returning starting quarterback, and they have the better schedule as well. Florida only has three true SEC road games this year. Meanwhile, Georgia only has three true SEC home games. Florida gets LSU at home. We know LSU is not going to be as good as last year. Georgia has to play Alabama on the road. But, and it all up, I'm a defensive guy, uh, Chris, and so – I I think Georgia might have the best defense in the country. They have my number five rated D-line, number one set of linebackers, number four DBs. And while they lose their quarterback, I mean, we're talking Jamie Newman, who was exceptional at Wake Forest last year, and JT Daniels from USC. (laughs) They're in good shape there. Samir White's a guy who was my number one rated running back out of high school. Uh, He's coming in this year a year removed from his knee injury. I think he'll have a big year this year. And then the receiving core last year was extremely inexperienced. Now they're experienced. Biggest question mark for them is the offense. Offensive line for Florida. uh, There are some questions that I have, but I mean, they're a good team. They do lose their top running back from last year, two of the top three receivers. Offensive line returns four starters. Uh, I think Florida's a good team, but I still want with Georgia to win it. But I think Florida's right up there. Uh, talent-wise, they rank in my top units in all eight positions. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Pruitt's done a great job at Tennessee. You go back to his first year, they lost six games by 25-plus points. Mm-hmm. Last year, they won their last six games, got to a bowl. And when I talked to Coach Pruitt this year, he feels they can play with anybody on their schedule. After I mentioned you're playing Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, he's like, we can play with anybody. He likes the talent, much deeper on both the offense and defensive lines. Uh, and in fact, when the first year I talked to him, they had eight scholarship offensive linemen. They have 16 now. Defensively, they had five scholarship defensive linemen when he got there. They're up to 10 deep on the D-line. So this is a much better Tennessee team. Kentucky was extremely young last year, four returning starters on offense, uh, four on defense. You expected a big step back. They still got to eight and five. Now, 15 returning starters and they did it last year. Eddie Grand did a great job with that offense. I mean, they were putting up points despite the fact you knew they weren't going to throw the football. They had a wide receiver in Lynn Bowden at QB and they had a dangerous running game, but now they have a quarterback in Terry Wilson that can throw. I like the offensive line led by Drake Jackson, Kennard, and Young, and defensively, they're going to have some teeth this year. It's a lot more veteran unit, so I think Kentucky uh, deserves to be up there as well. We talked in length about South Carolina, and then we talked a little bit about Missouri. I think if your first-year head coach, if there's a year you don't want to be a first-year head coach, it's this year. Limited spring practices, first-year head coach trying to learn your players. He only had three spring practices uh, t- to learn his new team, and they're an inex- inexperienced group with only 11 returning starters. And then Vanderbilt, their defense is going to be good. I have a lot of question marks about their offense. So, you know, can Vandy uh, move up. Yeah, if their defense plays like it did three years ago, but mm. this same group last year allowed 437 yards per game, so you wonder how much they can improve. Right. And that's why I, I make it a tradition. I usually pick Vandy last in the
1: East. For sure. Moving over to the West, the West seems like the juggernaut that it always is, Phil. You have Bama in your preseason top 25, you have Bama third, Texas AM fifth, LSU sixth, Auburn 19th. So the SEC West have some, has some absolute fangs this year. And oh, by the way, LSU is the reigning national champion but you have Alabama winning the SEC West Texas A&M second LSU third Auburn fourth Ole Miss fifth Mississippi State sixth and Arkansas seventh just kind of run down that list Uh, why you pick Bama again I know LSU loses a lot but Bama winning the SEC West I think it's a smart pick I think you don't get rich betting against Alabama but I know the one that stuck out to me you have Texas A&M fifth in the preseason top 25 just break down the west but I'll be very intrigued to hear your thoughts on Texas A&M for sure which is on the Gamecock schedule
2: yeah, what a disaster last year was for Alabama. They finished eighth <laughs> in the country. I don't know how they're going to ever overcome that. I did but, I did uh, you see know, remember- that.
1: I did I was just gonna say I did <laughs> see that you said last year a quote unquote disastrous number eight. I thought that
2: was <laughs> Yeah, and this year this year, you know, last year they lost Dylan Moses, an all American linebacker mm-hmm. prior to the season. Joshua McMillan, their other projected starter, prior to the season. They had to play a couple of true freshmen and linebacker. Those two freshmen are now sophomores. They get Moses back, they get McMillan back. They had two freshmen on the defensive line. Those guys are back. It's gonna be your typical Alabama defense. And offensively you know, I rate their offensive line number one in the country, and I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee. I bounced it off those guys. Nobody blinked an eye. They said, yep, we can see it. The best offensive line in the country. That's a good place to start. Najee Harrison in the backfield with Trey Sanders, a couple of uh, my number one rated running backs out of high school. Waddle and Devontae Smith, a receiver. Uh, who's going to be the quarterback? Does it matter? Mac Jones is solid. Bryce Young might just win the job. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's your typical Alabama team, and how do you pick against Alabama? You know, they always really- Load And with Texas A&M, you know, last year when I talked to Coach Jimbo Fisher, two things stood out to me. One was their brutal schedule. And as it was, they played three number one ranked teams in the country, the number four team and the number eight team. And then the other thing that stood out was the lack of seniors that they had on the roster. So I told Coach Fisher last year, I go, Coach, I'm going to put you on my national cover next year and this year the schedule's easier. It's number 66 in the country. They may only face one top 10 team mm-hmm. as opposed to the five they took on last year including three number ones and they've got 17 returning starters including a veteran senior quarterback mm-hmm. in Kellen Mond. The defense is loaded with my number 12 D line number, line, number 9 linebackers number 6 DBs. So that's why I've got a and up that high. They do have to go to Tuscaloosa and come out with a win to win the West this year. LSU is in the reload category. They're going to be good but when you lose 14 players, the NFL, and 20 players overall, six signed, you have undrafted free agent contracts. Uh, they only have eight returning starters. They lose their quarterback. I think they take a little step back. Auburn's got a tough schedule this year, and they drop from number 59 on my experience chart to number 100. My biggest question mark is the offensive line, which loses all five starters this year. But this Auburn, they're going to be good. They reload. Of the uh, the bottom half, I think Mississippi's got the best chance to do something. They had a lot of young talent that last year, a lot of freshmen, and I think Lane Kiffin steps into a pretty good situation there.
1: For sure. So give me your SEC champion, if I missed it, I apologize, but your playoff projections and who you have winning the whole thing.
2: Yeah, I went way out on a limb here, Chris. I went with Alabama <laughs> winning the SEC. Ohio State winning the Big Ten. Clemson winning the ACC. And then Oklahoma winning the Big 12. And for the title game, I went uh, Ohio State and Clemson. And I've got Ohio State winning it all. I think they've got the fewest question marks of the big boys this year.
1: For sure. Phil, let's switch gears just a little bit before we get you out of here. Let's talk about the landscape of college football. I know there's a ton of uncertainty right now, but you are someone – you have as much a feel on the pulse of college football as anybody. Give me your thoughts. What do you expect from this season? You know, there's been a lot of talks of conference only or, you know, I heard even the ACC rumor to play in a pod system, which I think is a very interesting concept. But just talk about what you're expecting I mean, what do you expect from this college football season?
2: Uh, I do expect that we will play football this fall, and I do think it'll be this fall. So I'm I'm bullish on that, and uh, what shakes out in the next month and a half, I don't know. We'll see, and if it turns out to be conference-only, Chris, I'm happy with that. My magazine's predictions are based on conference records, so if it turns out to be conference-only, I'm good with all my forecasts that are in the magazine right now, and I'm, I'm bullish on the fact we're playing football this fall.
1: Yeah, I'm as well. At this point, I just want to take football. We can get it. Last question before we get you out of here. Again, South Carolina coming into a pivotal 2020 season. Third toughest schedule. Will Muschamp's job status. All the other storylines that come with it. What's the one thing in your mind that has to go right for this South Carolina team, for the Gamecocks to have the type of season that Will Muschamp needs and this fan base wants and this team wants for the 2020 year?
2: Stay healthy. I think the talent's there. you look at the talent at every single unit, it's there. The problem with the past few years has been injuries. If they can keep stay healthy, I, I like this two deep, even three deep on this squad. So I'm, I'm bullish. I think South Carolina definitely has a good year this year.
1: Awesome. Well, Phil, really do appreciate you taking the time. Again, if you're listening and if you have not done so, go buy Phil Steele's magazine. Again, you said Barnes & Noble. You can buy it online as well. Let everybody just one more time remind them where they can find your magazine, Phil.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Chris. Uh once again you can head online, philsteel dot com, order it before one o'clock in the afternoon. We get it shipped that same day. Go see a priority mail so you get it within one to three days. Best bet though, go to Barnes and Noble Books a Million. Those are our two okay. exclusive dealers this year. You're not going to see it anywhere else, but if you go to Barnes and Noble Books a Million, you can get the magazine there and just uh it's always great when you get that thing in your hands. It's like uh it's pretty heavy, don't you think, Chris?
0: Yeah, it
1: is. No, it's it's the college football Bible is the best way to put it, I would say that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. And hey, Chris, it was great talking football with you today, especially
1: Gamecock football. Absolutely, Phil. Really do appreciate you taking the time. He's Phil Steele. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.